Father, this morning, face to face with Christ, my Savior, face to face, what will it be? Lord, the reality of these songs that we sing by faith, when faith will give way to sight, when we shall stand before you, the one who saved us by his grace. Lord, this morning for those that have not the assurance of this great salvation, will stand before you, the great white throne, before the judge of all the earth. Lord, the reality, the reality of heaven and hell. Lord, this morning, Lord, we look up, for we know our redemption draweth nigh. Lord, may we all be ready. For truly we can say this morning, ready or not, the Lord is coming. And so, Lord, speak to us through your word today. Awaken us. Lord, we pray that we would awaken with our lamps full. That we'd be like those wise virgins to go out and meet you. Lord, this morning, make us ready. Bless your word to your hearts. Anoint us both to preach and to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn to Joel chapter 2? Joel chapter 2, we're continuing on just through this little book. The prophet Joel, this is our uh, third week just in this uh, book. And the prophecy of Joel. Joel chapter 2. And this is that, is the title of these messages. The subtitle this morning is Blow the Trumpet and Joel chapter 2. And I just pray, just if you, this morning there's just quite a lot of scriptures that I, I need to read just as the Lord has quickened it to me. And I want to spend that time just allowing the Word of God uh, just to speak into our hearts and to be quickened to us. So, we're going to read verses 1 through to 11, and then we're going to go through the, the 11 verses and cross-reference them for us to grasp just the prophetic utterance and to be able to discern uh, what the prophet is saying. So Joel chapter 2, verse 1, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain, that all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord, for it is nigh or near at hand. A day of darkness and of gloominess, a day of clouds, of thickness, of thick darkness as the morning spread upon the mountains. A great people and a strong. There has not been ever the like, never shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. A fire devoureth before them and behind them a flame burneth. And the land is as the garden of Eden before them and behind them, a desolate wilderness, yea, and nothing, nothing, nothing shall escape them. The appearance of them is as the appearance of horses, and as horsemen, so shall they run. Like the noise of chariots on the tops of mountains shall they leap, like the noise of a flame of fire that defareth the stubble, as a strong people set in battle array. Before their face the people shall be much pained, all faces shall gather blackness. 
They shall run like mighty men. They shall climb the wall like men of war. And they shall march every one on his ways. And they shall not break their ranks. Neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk every one in his path. And when they fall upon the sword, they shall not be wounded. They shall run to and fro in the city. And they shall run upon the wall. They shall climb up upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. The earth shall quake before them. The heavens shall tremble. The sun and the moon shall be dark. And the stars shall withdraw their shining. And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army. For his camp is very great. For he is strong that executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. And who can abide it? In these uh, chapters, as we've been going through them, these verses, I, I think we mostly agree that when we go through some of these verses, it's very difficult just to grasp as, as the prophet is uh, portraying to us or painting a picture to us of horses and mountains and chariots and noises and fire and stubble and desolation. And really, most of the time, I would say that we read through these chapters and struggle perhaps just to find where they fit in, what they're about, uh, how does it affect me, uh, where does it fit into the end time calendar, does it fit in, was it just for that day, is it relevant today, and so forth. And then when we come to a teaching on the end times, well, it's like a minefield really most of the time because there are so many very passionately held views, and I respect the diversity that there is when it comes to the last days and the interpretations. I believe there are some fundamentals that we agree on. Timings may change or differ, and I think what's important this morning is that we're not coming with this message to try and win an argument. God forgive us, and Lord deliver us from trying to win an argument. We're, we're, we're by the Spirit of God coming afresh to the Word of God and opening our hearts and saying, Lord, bring the revelation of the, your Word to our hearts so that we can understand the times and the seasons so that there is, a this Word, a discernment of the day that we have come to. In James chapter 5 and verse 7 James writes these words, James 5 and 7, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it. Thank God that's our Father. He's long-suffering. Until he received the early and the latter rain. Verse 8 says, Be ye also patient, Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Then he says this little sentence, Behold, the judge standeth before the door. The judgment of the Lord, the judge is at the door. 
Now, if you go back into Joel chapter 2, and I just want to methodically work through this this morning and help us. Um, the best way to interpret Scripture is through Scripture. That's the best way to interpret Scripture, not through what anyone else says, but you interpret Scripture from Scripture, and that's when the Spirit of God will enlighten us to, to what is being said. So it opens with these words, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand or near at hand. Remember what James says, that the judge standeth at the door. In other words, we are coming rapidly to the finale of the age of the dispensation of grace. That's the age we are in. That Christ is about to come. And the introduction of this prophecy, I want to introduce it with Scripture. And that's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. The day of the Lord. And it's so important this morning when you read the day of the Lord. That is a moment there is a happening that takes place that introduces us to the day of the Lord. And this is the most significant happening for us. The day of the Lord will open up and reveal to us or bring a series of events that will take place. That's where a lot of diversity is in timings. But right to this point, when we come to the day of the Lord, the crucial thing that's about to happen on this world and this planet is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And this is the introduction uh, to this few verse, these few verses here. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 15, Paul writes these words, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. And he's saying this according to the promise of God's word, that God never lies. And God's word is true. And every word that is in this book shall be fulfilled. And it says that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. That's those that are dead in Christ, those that have died in the Lord. For the Lord, here is the wakening of the day of the Lord. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God. Then something wonderful, supernatural happens on this planet. It tells us this, that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Praise God for all the saints that have gone before. Mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, grandparents. Thank God those that have died in Christ. They shall rise first. Praise the Lord this morning. There's going to be a great awakening. The sea and the graves across this earth of every tribe and every tongue, of every color, every man, every woman, every boy and every girl that have died in the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall rise first. The dead in Christ shall rise again. There's going to be a great reunion day. 
There's going to be a day when we will see our loved ones who have gone on before us. Brothers and sisters, this is the blessed hope of the church of Jesus Christ. We will see Jesus and we will see our loved ones once again. It opens with this wonderful worldwide supernatural experience across the globe. It's not just a song. It's not just a nice tune. It's a reality at the very core of the Christian faith that the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then the Bible says, And we which are alive and remain, those that are on the earth, those that are presently alive and remain on planet earth, that are Christians, that are born again of the Spirit of God, that have the Spirit of God as a witness in their lives, we which are alive and remain, suddenly, at the same time, simultaneously, we shall be caught up together. In other words, they come up out of the grave And we which are alive and remain suddenly as this worldwide experience takes place. We which are alive and remain are caught up together. Listen to it. With them in the clouds. There is going to be a meeting in the earth. What a meeting that is. Suddenly at that moment. Now I may have lost some already. I may have lost some already in all of what I've just said because they're blinded. The enemy has blinded the minds of them that do not believe. Do you honestly believe this is going to happen? Is this some type of fairy tale? Some type of, we've heard this in the church. Are you actually saying to me, are you actually telling me that the dead in Christ those out of the graves, out of the seas, across the whole world of every tribe, of every nation, of every tongue, suddenly at that moment, all that have died in Christ, there will be a bodily resurrection and they will come up out of the graves by the power of the risen Christ and the Holy Spirit and suddenly everyone that's saved, we'll all be caught up together to meet the Lord in the earth. What a day that's going to, what a moment. What a hope in the church. What a shout we should have of victory over all the powers of darkness. This universe is long and waiting for all of creation is groaning for the coming of the Lord. Then we meet the Lord in the earth and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Do you feel comforted? And the trials, the tribulations, the battles, the failures, the letdowns, the weaknesses, all the things that happen in our life, all the things that are going on in everyday life. But brothers and sisters, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. We'll have a meeting that has no end. And it will be filled with the glory and the presence and the power and the majesty forever and ever. Faith will give way to sight and forever we'll be with the Lord. Living in a place of ecstasy, eternal joy. And the songs of Zion with the throngs of tribes across the world as we stand before the throne of God. Ever with the Lord rejoicing forever and ever and ever and ever. For the king reigns forever. And the lamb is 
upon the throne and he'll wipe away all tears. Praise God this morning. There's no cancer. There's no sickness. There's no ailments. There's no pains. There's no arthritis. There's no cysts. There's no tumors. Praise the Lord. We'll be forever with the Lord. And the king has triumphed. What a day. That's the great day. That's God's great morning. And here the prophet declares and cries, You blow the trumpet. You blow the trumpet in in Zion. You blow the trumpet in my holy mountain. Sound the alarm. What does an alarm do? It wakens you up. That's what an alarm was supposed to do it. No snooze buttons. It awakens you. That's what an alarm does. And here's a spiritual alarm. A spiritual awakening that the prophet is declaring by the Spirit of God coming to the great day of the Lord. You blow the prophet. Blow, 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 blow the trumpet. Trumpets are the language of heaven. If you ever study that in the scriptures, you'll see that they heard a voice behind them as of a trumpet. God came down at Sinai and it was sounding like a great trumpet. That's the language of heaven. It's clear and it's loud and you'll hear it. So he says, blow that trumpet. Here we see something's about to happen. Something in this world is about to happen. The day of the Lord comes, and it's very near, the day of the Lord. It's at hand, that's what he says. Now the Bible tells us, if you turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, just following on from 1 Thessalonians 4, so you see the introduction, and now we'll work our way through this. Try not to get too excited so we can make it through. But 1 Thessalonians 5 and 2, it tells us this. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh. And what way does it come? It comes as a thief in the night. It comes like a thief. That is the description that the Apostle Paul describes the day of the Lord. Joel saying it's at hand. Paul says it will come. And how it comes, it will be like a thief in the night. You will have no time at that point to get right with God. Don't think and don't believe the lie of the devil to say, well, once I think all these things are going to happen, and some people in their end time beliefs would give so many indications that at the very last minute, someone's able to say, I'm going to jump on the bus here. It's not going to work that way. It doesn't work that way. The thief in the night There is a suddenness, unexpected, urgent breakthrough of the power of Almighty God. In 2 Peter 3 and verse 10, it says these words, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Matthew 25 and verse 13. Jesus said, Watch therefore, 
For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. If anyone is predicting the day, run. The Bible says clearly, For ye know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man will come. We may understand or discern the times or the seasons, but there's a day coming that no man knows, and it will be suddenly, it will be like a thief in the night, it will be supernatural, it will be all-powerful, almighty, when Christ shall come. It tells us in Joel 2 that it's a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds, a day of thickness. As the morning spreads upon the mountain, we see here that there is a great people that are strong, that there has never been the like before, neither shall there be any more after it. Now, Joel chapter 2, we, and just for a moment to put it into some context, some people believe, just so that you know, Joel chapter 2 is a continuation of the locusts and their effect in Joel chapter 1. Joel chapter 1, I share with you what I believe, what the Lord showed me, that according to Revelation, that the locusts are demonic powers out of the bottomless pit that come, that are unleashed on the earth in the last days, because the devil knows his time is short. So the whole outpouring of wickedness that we see, and we see wickedness rising, we see the increase of wickedness, the love of many are waxing cold, we understand that there's an outpouring of demonic power that we are living in all around us in this day across the nations of the world. When we come to Joel chapter 2, I believe that the Lord showed, showed me and as I studied it that this is not a continuation of the locusts, but this is the army of the Lord that assists the Lord on the great day of judgment. There's going to be an army comes with the Lord. We'll come to it in a minute if you're not sure about that. Not only does he come, but he comes with an army from heaven. Like you've never seen anything like this before. And so it says here, that there be a people that are strong. There has not been the like before, neither shall there be after it, even to the years of generations. Now, in Mark chapter 13, I'm just cross-referencing here. In Mark chapter 13, the Lord said, in Mark 13 verse 19, For in those days shall be affliction, such as was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time, neither shall be. In other words, the Lord has taken what the prophets, look at his language, there has not been ever the like. As we head into this season that the church has already entered into, we're already in this season. There'll be an affliction upon the earth. These are the words of the Lord. There'll be an affliction upon the earth. It tells us in Mark 13, that was not from the beginning of creation, which God created unto this time. In other words, there hasn't been a day like this before. Listen, I hear some people say, Aka was bad. Aka's always been bad. Aka, you know, there's times, and man will sort of somehow rehabilitate himself and become good again. Man's no ability to make himself good. Man will wax worse and worse. And so we're living in a day where these last days, the Lord says, this will be a day like you have never seen. 
And this is a day, remember what way we opened with Joel. Have you seen this or have you heard this? You tell it and your fathers and your sons and the generations to come. Let them know. Declare this. Have you ever seen a day like this day? Older people particularly. Have you ever seen a day like this day? Has your world changed? I mean, if you're plus 60 this morning, it's not that you're old, but you've lived long enough to live through one or two generations. You've come through uh, perhaps being born at the back end of the war or maybe just slightly around that time or maybe just before it. But you've lived long enough through the 50s, the revolution, the sexual revolution of the 60s, which was birthed in hell and promoted by the demonic powers that I believe back then were starting to be poured out on this land. And now you've lived through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And now we've burst into the 21st century. Man is increasing in knowledge. Man is, is, is portraying himself as some type of great individual with all his inventions. But yet the world is sinking deeper and deeper into sin. And the, the, the depravity of man is going to no end. He is continually thinking evil in his mind and creating more sin. How can we sin more? And so we're living now in a day that has not been seen before. And I don't want to go down the whole list of what is happening. You know what's happening concerning especially the whole aspect of sexual immorality and the broader context of that. We are sinking we are sinking deep down into depravity. Yet in the world's eyes, it's good. And if you say it's wrong, you're evil. Right? And these are the days we're in. So here we see this day that has never been seen before. Now we're about to witness a description of the army of the Lord. The host of heaven that accompany the great judge of all the earth. Now if you have your Bible... In Jude chapter, sorry, in Jude verse 14, there's only one chapter. Jude verse 14, it says these words, just these two verses. And the little book of Jude, remember, is the book before the end. And it's significant in its place in the canon of Scripture. The last book, Revelation. This little book, Jude. Jude says, and he covers all generations. But Jude says in verse 14, and Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord comes, what with? With 10,000 of his saints. Now there's an army coming with Jesus. There is different ideas. Is this those that have died in Christ coming in the gathering, coming together? Or is this Christ coming as the whole host of heaven we're talking about hundreds of thousands of angels. The whole host of heaven will be assembled in glory. The king of kings will rise. And he's coming. And all the heavenly hosts are coming with him. This is awesome. This is our day. It's his day, but he is so graciously said, I'm coming for you. That's why he's coming. That's why he's coming for you and for me. That's an awesome thing. Why would he come for someone like me? Because he loved me. He gave himself for me. He died for me and he saved me. And he's coming for me. And so this host comes. This great host of heaven are coming. And why is he coming? Listen, I know this isn't 
popular even in the church. But where are we to blow the trumpet? In Zion. Now we'll come to what that is in a moment. But here we go. The Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Verse 15. To execute judgment upon all. To, and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. Let me tell you, sinner in this room this morning, sinner friend, listen to me this morning. There's a day that you'll be judged for every thought and everything that you've said against the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I haven't said anything. At this point in your life, you've rejected him. And you'll be judged for rejecting Jesus. That's an awesome thing. What people think, what people say is irrelevant. He's going to make a judgment on every word that you've said and the things that you've thought in your heart and the life that you've said, I don't want this Christ. What a day this is going to be. There's a judgment to be executed as he comes. Now here we see the description of this great host. The Bible says in Joel 2. That a fire devoureth before them. And behind them a flame burneth. Now fire is a symbol of judgment. In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 12. John the Baptist prophesied saying of Christ. Whose fan, whose fan is in his hand. And he will Throughly purge his floor, gather his wheat into the garner, but he will burn up the chaff. This is what he says, with unquenchable fire. There is the fire, the fiery judgment of God that's coming upon the earth. There is a fire that goes before him. Before him, you'll be looking and saying, has a man done a great job with climate change? We've got all the plastic out of the seas. We've planted all our billions of new trees. We're going to replenish the earth. We're going to make the earth better for our children and our children's children. We're going to be so great. And all the politicians are tripping over themselves with a spade to dig a hole and say, we're going to plant another tree. And no matter how beautiful they make their gardens and no matter how trees they plant in the United Kingdom, when the heavenly hosts come before them, it might look like the Garden of Eden, but see behind them, the whole thing will be laid desolate. This is the Almighty Christ coming in all His judgment. There's a fire that goes before them. The land is as the garden, and behind them it is a desolate wilderness. Yea, now listen this morning. Listen very carefully. Everybody, this is for everyone. Nothing, nothing, listen what it says, nothing shall escape them. Nothing, nothing. Someone prayed this this morning. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You won't. There is no escape by neglecting the salvation of the Lord. Numbers, uh, sorry, in Thessal 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you turn over and those couple of verses there, and then Isaiah 13, and then Jeremiah chapter 10, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3, 
If you get there, we'll just read these two verses. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. This is what the Bible says. And they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. We're the children of light. In Isaiah chapter 13, verse 9, Isaiah the prophet prophesies, saying, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. I know, trust me, I know this morning that this is not popular in the 21st century church. The preaching of the coming of the Lord, the preaching of a judgment to come, the preaching of a heaven and a hell, the preaching of the reality that the coming of the Lord is upon us. The church are filled with focusing on much more things that keep you happy and at ease. But I would do you a dishonor this morning if I did not tell you the truth and tell you with the love of God in my heart. This is a reality. It's not a fairy tale. This is the great day of the Lord. It's coming. And sinners will not escape that day. The stars of heaven, Isaiah 13 and 10, and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. You think about it for a moment. The galaxies, the Milky Way, the constellations, the stars of heaven, because the bright and morning star comes with 10,000 of his saints and the host of heaven, they will, it's like God will just turn the light off on all the stars. You're only going to be captivated with one bright star, and that's Jesus Christ. And so he comes. The Bible says the moon shall not cause her to light, and I will punish their evil and their wicked, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause their arrogancy of the proud to cease. And I will lay hold the haughtiness of the terrible. This is the coming of the Lord. In Jeremiah 10 and 10, Jeremiah the prophet says, But the Lord is the true God. He's the living God and an everlasting King. At His wrath, the earth will tremble and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. This is the Lord. This is Jesus Christ. This is the God that we serve. This is, this, this is the Jesus that schools all across our nation in the next few weeks will be 
rolling out the nativity praise. And I can remember P6, I was Joseph, Anthea Urban, she was Mary. And we do all the thing that we're supposed to do. And I can remember all the songs. I'm not going to sing them now. And we can go through all the rituals and I'm not against them. It's a lovely thing to present the birth of Christ. Thank God he came all the way from heaven for us. But I want to tell you something. It didn't end in a manger. I want to tell you something else. It didn't end at the cross. The plan of salvation was finished at the cross. But beyond the cross, brothers and sisters, there's the great day of the Lord. The coming judgment of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I know the world may not believe it, but sadly in the church today, so many don't believe it. The judgment and the wrath of God. This is Jesus whom they prophesied of. This is the Christ that is coming. In Joel chapter 2, if you turn over again, and verse 4, it says, this army that come. So I'm going to read again just through uh, the verse 9. The appearance of them is like horses. It speaks of power. And of horsemen, they'll run. There'll be a noise or a rumble of chariots on the tops of the mountains like the noise of a flame of fire that devoureth the stubble. This army is strong, and it's set for battle. Before their face the people shall be much pained. All faces shall gather in blackness. Now, you think about this. This is the coming of the Lord. Suddenly across this earth, there's a rumble. You know, we're not too far away from a quarry. Sometimes when they have to blast the rocks, you don't necessarily get the warning. You might, it might be in the paper, whatever. But you could be going out, and certainly even back in the days of the Troubles, you remember what it was like when some of those big bombs went off. You remember those days? We remember we lived in Beaver Park. We can remember when the, the labs were one of the biggest bombs in the whole of the Troubles. When, when that, when the labs went up a 2,000 pound bomb and a third of Beaver Park was completely wiped out, the churches were blown down, everything, and the miracle was that nobody was killed. That was the hand of God. There's no question about that. But the rumble and the fear that penetrates into the depths of your heart at that moment, because you know it's something beyond what you can control. You have no control over it. All it, you know, we're out playing, having fun, everything's great. Everyone's going along, everything. We're earning money, we're getting on with our life, everything. And suddenly when something like that happens, it stops you. Because it's out of your control. If you take in the natural that 2,000 pound bomb, but if you multiply that in the spiritual and in the literal, that all across this world, suddenly there's going to be a rumbling like chariots and horsemen upon the mountaintops. I want to tell you something. Everybody's going to stop. You're going to stop. You're not going to be picking your nails and doing your hair. You're not going to be making yourself beautiful. You're not going to be sitting there going, oh, well, I don't really care what's happening. I want to tell you at that moment, you're going to be awakened that something is happening beyond you that you have no control. Nothing. No man, not President Trump, not President Putin, not a man on this earth, not a king, not a president is going to stop at that moment. 
No matter their buttons, their atomic bombs, there is nothing like this. Nothing like it. And so they come, this host of heaven. They'll march, everyone on his ways. They'll break their, they'll not break their ranks. They shall one, they, neither shall one thrust another. They shall walk everyone in his path. And when they fall by the sword, they shall not be wounded. Nothing can stop them. He's thinking that this is an army that no one can stop. Nothing, not a sword, not a gun. Oh, we'll get the guns out. We'll get our armies together. They're coming, and no matter what they fire at them, nothing can wound them. Nothing can stop them. For this is the day of the Lord. They shall run to and fro in the city. They shall run upon the wall. They shall climb upon the houses. They shall enter in at the windows like a thief. What an awesome sight. What an awesome moment on planet earth. What is this? This is the angelic host. The host of heaven that come with Jesus. Angels are crucial on the day of the Lord. They have a vital role. In Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking of a parable, bringing the interpretation, says these words in Matthew 13 and verse 38, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers, who are the reapers? The reapers are the angels. He uses the angels to come, to bring in and to reap the earth. There's a great harvest. There's a great division. There's the tares and there's the wheat. Listen, whether this morning you are particularly interested in this or not, whether this morning you like me or you don't like me, whether this morning, whenever you think of all of this or not, I want to tell you something. Every word that you're hearing this morning will come to pass. Not because of me, but because it's his word. And so we see here that the angels are the reapers. Verse 40 says, As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it shall be at the end of this world. Verse 41, The Son of Man will send forth his angels. And they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that will offend, and them that do iniquity. He'll cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. You know, I hear so often today, preachers, people, Christians, church members, religious people. Remember them days we used to talk about gnashing of teeth and hell and all that there? It's great we're not part of that anymore. Which part? What are we doing? Are we starting to take pages out of the book? Are we now only interested in preaching one type of message that soothes the masses? That keeps everyone at ease? That doesn't make us too upset or feel that we have to do something because that makes me feel uncomfortable or I feel condemned? 
or not some type of legalism, brothers and sisters, how we become so immature in the 21st century church that we want to neglect certain parts of the book and most of this is just about to happen? Would you not rather know? Would you not rather know the truth of what's happening? And so we see here that there's a wailing and a gnashing of teeth. But then it says, verse 43, Then the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Then the righteous, who are they? Those that have been made righteous through the death of Jesus Christ and putting their faith in him. One day, brothers and sisters, we're going to shine. Just like the sun. Then he says these words. Who has ears to hear? Who's got ears that can hear? Let him hear. Have you got ears that hear? Let him hear. The Bible says in Joel chapter 2 verse 10 that the earth shall quake before them. The heavens are going to tremble. Friends, this is going to happen. The sun and the moon shall be dark and the stars, we've already touched on it, shall withdraw their shining. Mark chapter 13 and verse 24. You might be able from this to boot me into the particular category of end times of where I probably fit, but I don't necessarily go around telling everyone that's what I am because I try to stay away from labels. But I believe that we go right through it all. The Bible says in Mark 13 verse 24, but in those days after the tribulation, it's after a period of tribulation upon the earth, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give her light, the stars of heaven will fall, the powers that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then, and then, and then, Shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory? And then, verse 27, He shall send His angels that shall gather together His elect from the four winds from the uttermost part of heaven. Right after that period of tribulation upon the earth, which, if I'm honest this morning, I tell you, I believe we're in it. And it's only going to get worse as far as the earth is concerned. I believe that Christ could come right now. Suddenly, unexpectedly, as a thief in the night. How many are ready? How many are ready? See, I believe in the sudden, unexpected, like a thief in the night, return of Christ. It could happen before we hit one o'clock. In a moment, suddenly. And so we see this tremendous sight. Then back in the Joel chapter 2 verse 11, it simply says, And the Lord shall utter his voice before his army, for his camp is very great. He's strong, then executeth his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible, And then it asks the question, who's going to abide this? Who? I mean, it's a question. 
I love when the Bible asks a question of the readers and the hearers. Who's going to abide this day? Who's going to get it? Who's going to abide the day of the Lord? There's many things you might be able to see your way through. Many things you might be able to weather in life. Many storms that you might be able to sort of batten down the hatches and get through, and you do get through. But who will abide the day of the Lord? In Revelation chapter 6, and I believe this is at the moment that the church meets the Lord in the air, Revelation 6 and verse 12, when the sixth seal is opened, and it says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, just like Joel says, and the sun became black as sackcloth, sackcloth of hair, and the moon became blood, and the stars of heaven fell upon the earth, just like Joel said, even as the fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their place, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man. What did they do? You know what you'll do? If you haven't got right with God, you'll try to hide. You'll try to hide. They hid themselves in dens and in the rocks of the mountains, and they said to the mountains and the rocks, just fall on us. The dawn, as it breaks in your heart and in your life, I've played the fool. I've played the game. I've played around with the things of God. I had a praying father. I had a praying mother. I had a work colleague that shared the gospel with me, sat beside me, talked about the things of God, took my prayer request into the church and prayed for me Sunday after Sunday. At Sunday school teachers that sat and broke the bread of life to me. At Lighthouse Club workers that shared the gospel at people and youth leaders that gathered me in and, and would share the, the reality of life and death and getting right with God. We had preachers that stood in pulpits. We used to have to go to church every Sunday and listen to some guy screaming and shouting and sweating at the front of a church and telling us about Jesus and the coming of the Lord. We had all of this. And we never were moved to get right with God. We never actually, in the end, we, we were so selfish and so proud-hearted that we'd never just bow the knee and say, my God, have mercy. And then he comes. And then he comes. Then he breaks through. Then the rumble across the earth takes place. And it might be this morning. It might be next week. It might be next year. It might be another 10 years. It might be another 50 years. I don't know. I can't see it, but I don't know. And you look at all of your life, and you've got married, and you've kids, and oxyolot old church stuff. We used to do that. How many like that today? Brought up in church, brought through the church, went to church, sang in choirs, some preachers as well. Sunday school teachers, faithful people, but the material things of the world have come in and the pleasures of sin and the pleasures of life. Sunday morning, no time for it. Picnic day with the family. The match is on. Just chill out. Let's have a good time. A good time. A good time. Knowing the terror of the Lord. 
We persuade men that Christ is about to come. And you get on in life and it's nearly like a mockery of the things of God. Even in the church, they mock. They mock. They mock the truth of God's word. They mock it. I've heard them do it. They mock this. They mock this type of preaching. It's a type of preaching. It's old-fashioned. I want to tell you, it's up to date. They mock it. They mock preachers like this. I don't care who they mock. But it's the word of God. They make light of it. They, they get intelligent with new revelation and doctrine to try and twist it around some way. They make out that all of this is legalism and death. That all of this is, is condemnation. I want to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm here to preach the truth. Does the truth does the cross offend? Does the reality of heaven and hell, does it offend you if you're not right with God? Who will abide this day? The prophet of the Lord declaring, and did he know that you will know you know, I thought about Joel. Did those prophets, by faith as they're prophesying, like this is this is like 2,800 years ago, and the prophet is prophesying as the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. We're so conditioned by the now. We're so conditioned by what it looks like. We're so conditioned by what we think right now. And there's the prophet declaring the word of the Lord. Did he actually realize by faith as he declared the word of the Lord, that all these years later, that we be laying hold of the words that he said and proclaiming them as the truth of God, that this is the truth of God's word. And the prophet's crying. Demonic powers are being unleashed. The people of God are weathered and tired and dry and Joy and gladness is gone from the house of the Lord. And we open chapter 2 and he says, Blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. I'm not going to go much further. I've only started so I know The Lord's coming. My dad played a, an old hymn the other day. He obviously didn't know what I was preaching on this morning. I might be sounding old. I want to say it. They do not write them like this. They just don't. The style might be a bit old-fashioned. But the words, the words, I dreamed that the great judgment morning 
had dawned and the trumpet had blown. I dreamed that the nations had gathered to judgment before the white throne. From the throne came a bright shining angel and he stood on the land and the sea and he swore with his hand raised to heaven that time was no longer to be. Here's the chorus. And oh, what a weeping and wailing as the lost were told of their fate. They cried for the rocks and the mountains. They prayed. Listen, but their prayer was too late. The rich man was there with his money, but his money had melted and vanished away. A pauper, he stood in the judgment. His debts were too heavy to pay. The great man was there with his greatness, but his greatness, when death came, was left far behind. The angel that opened the records, not a trace of his greatness could find. The widow was there with the orphans. God heard and remembered their cries. No sorrow in heaven forever. God wiped all their tears. Praise the Lord from their eyes. The gambler was there and the drunkard. And the man that had sold them the drink with the people who gave him the license to gather in hell, they did sink. The moral man came to the judgment, but self-righteous rags would not do. The men who had crucified Jesus had passed off as moral men too. The soul that had put off salvation. Not tonight. I'll get saved by and by. No time now to think of religion. At last, they had found time to die. And oh, what a weeping and wailing as the lost were told of their fate. They cried for the rocks and the mountains. They prayed. But their prayer was too late. Too late. Too late. Father, in Jesus' name, awaken. Lord, awaken. May the Holy Ghost blow. Lord, the trumpet is to be blowing in Zion. Lord, it's your people. Lord, awaken us. Awaken us. Awaken us to the imminent soon return of Jesus Christ. Lord, this morning, for those that sit among us that know you not, 
Some even this morning, Lord, have no thought, no care for their souls. Yet, Lord, we know that you're a God that's full of compassion and you're long-suffering and you're merciful. And, Lord, that you're not willing that any should perish. Not one. It is your will to save every man and woman and boy and girl and young person in this room this morning. Lord, we cannot create an anxious thought. But Lord, may the reality, the reality of your coming, Lord, may it first awaken the church of Jesus Christ. May it awaken us. May it awaken us out of slumber, apathy, death, unbelief. May it awaken us out of selfishness. May it awaken us out of, out of building our own kingdoms, doing our own thing. Lord, heaping pleasure upon ourself. Lord, awaken us out of selfishness. Awaken us out of being at ease in Zion. Awaken us, Lord, out of, oh God, accumulating all our own things for ourselves. Oh, Father, the time is short. Lord, there is much to do. And Lord, whether we are evangelists or teachers or pastors or prophets or intercessors or prayer warriors or givers or financing the kingdom, Lord, may we all give everything. Awaken us, Lord. But Lord, for those that just don't know you, Oh, God, this morning. Oh, what a weeping and wailing. Lord, if you were to pull the cover of hell off this morning, if you were to give us a glimpse and let us hear the weeping and the wailing and the cry that would go up. Lord, I believe the altar would be filled the capacity of saint and sinner alike. Oh, what a weeping and wailing. Lord, we pray this morning that you would grant unto someone the grace, the courage, and Lord, the faith Grant unto them repentance to get right, to get right with you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.